Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast. My name is Eric Thomas. I'm the host of the show. Uh, and today we're joined by Eric Bondi from York. Eric, how you doing? Great. How you doing? Great. Uh, thank you for joining us. No problem. Yeah. So, Eric, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell all our listeners a little bit more about yourself and your experience in the industry? Sure. Yeah. So I started, I, uh, I was on the contracting side. Uh, I'm based in South Florida. I've lived here pretty much my whole life. So I started on the contracting side for a local air conditioning contractor. Um, spent 10 years there, mainly in sales. Um, we did inside sales, outside sales, focused on AOR business or change outs, right? So our bread and butter was really residential. We dabbled in, in some light commercial. Um, from there, um, I was introduced to the distribution side where I came over as a, uh, a territory manager for York in South Florida, mainly focused in the uh, Fort Lauderdale market. Uh, I was in that market for about four years and uh, then kind of transferred over into a, a sales management role and now a general manager or market manager role for the last four years um, for basically the entire southern half of Florida from Sarasota on the west coast south and then from that Port St. Lucie area on the East Coast and South, all the way through Miami and the Keys. Wow. So it sounds like you covered quite a large terrain down there. Yeah, I just got back from uh, from Sarasota yesterday. So it's a, you know, driving up, driving back, you're you're looking at a lot of drive time. Yeah. So it, um, is Anthony in your, I guess, in your area that you cover? Yes, he's in the West Palm Beach area. He is. Yeah, so for those listening who who don't know, Eric uh, was referred to us by Anthony Pascucci, who was a previous guest on the show. Uh, so, yeah, we're excited because because Anthony and and Samsung they they deal York as well, correct? Yes, they are a York dealer. Awesome. So, Eric, what do you why don't you just tell us a little bit about like how your experience on the contracting side kind of helped out as you transitioned more into like the manufacturer side? It was really invaluable. You know, that was the the piece that really let me connect with contractors, that I understood what the, the major pain points were. Because I remember when I was on the contracting side and I had TMs from, you know, every manufacturer calling on us, right? And you remember what used to really get you going and and what the best account managers did. And when I came over as an account manager, I wanted to make sure that I did what I used to enjoy most from our, from our account manager. So it was, it was critical. Yeah. So what are some of those things that some of those pain points that you recall from the contractor side over to the TM side? You know, it seems like common sense, but uh, being available is number one. Uh, you have this, um, you know, when you ask a question, you want an answer. And if they don't know the answer, it's fine. But you want them to be available for your service or for your support and then respond with the answer. And, and that seems to be hard, right? And there's only a few that actually can do it and do it consistently and really feel like when you need an answer, you're going to get that support. And you know, AC, especially in the replacement business, is very time sensitive. We're not talking days here. We, we really need answers usually within minutes. Um, you know, somebody standing on a roof or something like that, they're, they're not going to sit yeah. there and wait for you. So definitely being available. And then also just, just being in their shoes, understanding, you know, the demands of their customer base. 
Um, it's different than the demands on the distribution side where I am now. So, you know, really just um, knowing those points and, and being sympathetic and, and, and they kind of go at ease when they feel you're more of, you know, a trusted advisor than a sales guy walking in, you know, because I've been there, I've done that and I understand what they need. So um, I would say that was the number one thing that really helped me transition into the to the distribution side. Yeah. So when it comes to like being available, um, what are some of like the biggest um, pain points or some of the challenges that you see with contractors often where they're needing your your help or your availability? You know, it's it's just really support. It's usually a question. You know, maybe it's figuring out a model number or or in this day and age, maybe it's inventory, right? Because um, yeah. everyone's dealing with the inventory constraint. Um and it's really just having their support. Maybe it's even a problem with the customer. Uh, you know, I, I take pride that, uh, you know, here at York, uh, we've really focused in on, on being contractor friendly. And, w- and what that means to me is we really have the contractors back when it comes to that end user, the customer. So if that end user is having a problem, we want to be there to support the contractor. So it's I go out on job sites if I need to. I'll go to the customer's house, with you know, just with a York logo on the shirt, just to tell them, hey, there's a manufacturer representative at the house, right? Yeah. And uh, that's something I didn't really get too much when I was on the contracting side. So um, it was definitely something that we wanted to really enforce with here uh, with York. Yeah. When you were on the contracting side, were you dealing with York or were you with a different manufacturer? We were primarily carrier. Um we, over the years, you know, as our 10 years, we sold Train as a secondary line for a while, uh, even dabbled in Goodman for a little bit. And um, just being honest, we were burned by York um, early in my in my career, and I didn't want anything to do with it. And, you know, towards the end of my career, we, we they came out with a new product line, and we tried it out, and we brought it on as a third line. And they had some, some interesting programs with marketing and incentives that really kind of led us into even offering it again. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized the the product that they had came out with. Now it's about seven years old, six years old, but the product that they came out with six, seven years ago was totally different than the one I knew 10 to 12 years ago, uh, yeah. mainly because of the, uh, the investment Johnson controls put into the, into the York residential brand. Yeah. So when it comes to those marketing incentives, um, what are what are some of the things there that that listeners should know about, or or even York dealers who don't know about it in, in regards to the co-op program? Uh, what are some things that makes York stand out? Yeah, you know we have a, a great marketing manager, and she's um, really developed uh, a co-op pro program that's very flexible. Um, it's just based on a percentage of sales, you know, once you become a program dealer and it's determining on what level you're on is what percent you get, but it's on all purchases. And it's really trying to do, you know, a grassroots based marketing, meaning like York doesn't invest a ton of money on the corporate side in, in, in marketing, right? You turn on the TV, you look and you might see a national sponsorship here from Carrier, like I see at the the Braves game sometimes, and you might see a, a basketball game, and you might see a train commercial. You don't see very many York commercials, right? No. Um, York's belief is really they want the contractors to be the one that are spreading the word, right? And um, with our co-op program, 
um, we're really allowed to kind of co-brand with those valued contractors. And, and that's how we've really done it over the past six or seven years is partnering with dealers that, that, that we like to do business with and then really spreading the word with them, um, doing marketing through our co-op. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that, you know, we, we have a client who is a York dealer, um, and we actually worked with his territory manager in regards to the co-op program. And we've dealt with several other co-ops in the past. And I, I will say that York's was definitely, um, it seemed like there was, there was the least amount of friction when it came to getting the co-op, uh, dollars approved and actually getting the project pushed along. And it was, it was right. really, it was a breath of fresh air, honestly, because sometimes there's a lot of pushback and there has to be so much different, you know, branding and all this other stuff. And, and York's was definitely the easiest to work with. I think. I think it's about knowing who you are. And that's one of the, the main things is, you know, we know what our market share is compared against the carriers and the trains and whatnot uh, nationally. And we're looking to grow that, but you're not going to grow it by having these strict guidelines that are, you know, not contractor friendly, not, not advertising friendly. Uh, as long as it's, it's spreading our brand, um, we're super flexible because we, we want the engagement. We want them to use the co-op, you know, that is available because the last thing we want is to accrue all this co-op money. And then here comes the end of the year and they haven't put anything back into advertising. Well, that's not only not good for the contractor, that's not good for us. Right. Cause that's how yeah. we tend to spread our brand. Yeah. So what are some really good ways that contractors can utilize their co-op dollars uh, for marketing? Yeah, God, it, it really runs the gamut of, of different options, you know, We've seen everything from easy ones like truck stickers, wraps, putting your sign out front with the logo, right? Those are kind of like the old school methods, you know, uniforms, stuff like that. Then you could get into like print ads and television. We've, we've pretty much done it all. Um, I'll say the one thing, the new one that's, that interests me the most is um, we have a partnership with a, with a vendor that focuses on OTT or over the top yeah. and it's it's focused on cord cutters so 40 percent of uh americans right now are are cord cutters and i'm actually in that 40 percent i've been there for probably five or six years and i think that's kind of an untapped market so they're just focusing on those required ads that you see when you're streaming and they're able to really hone in on, on a certain demographic and much like you see in direct mail, but I think mm -hmm. for the price point that I've seen, um, it's, it's about the best value out there, I think. Yeah. Have you, have you worked with any contractors or dealers out there who are doing that OTT and seeing a good result from it? I have, um, you know, it really started over the past, well, it's been out now for six or seven months when we introduced it. So it, it's not a, uh, you know, it hasn't been one of our mainstays, um, and we've, I've had a few locally use it, and they, they've seen good results from it. Um, they, they, they are able to track it, and that's one of the main things about any kind of investment you make in marketing. Mm -hmm. Too often I get in front of a contractor, ask them about what they're doing to grow their business, how, where they want to grow their business, how much they want to grow their business, okay, and how much are they investing? And then I go, okay, so how many leads you get? Sometimes they can answer that, sometimes they can't. And then the next question is, well, which, how many of those are you closing? And you get a lot of blank stares, right? So I don't care whether they're doing OTT marketing or newspaper or radio, you got to track it because if yeah. you're not tracking it, you're not getting your actual return. And, and I've seen way too many companies 
just pour a ton of money into marketing and then go hold their hands up and go, Oh, I can't, I don't know. I'm not getting enough leads or I'm not making enough revenue. Got to cut it back. You know? So to me, it's, you could do whatever you want and and probably the best marketing strategy involves a little bit of everything uh, depending Mm -hmm. on your, on your region. But the most important thing is, is tracking it and, and, and getting that data to let you know what is working in your market. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we were talking about this back of probably a few months ago when I was uh, interviewing Matt Tyner, just talking about like testing fast and failing fast at everything. Right. You know, it's, it's really what it's got to be about. Cause you know, you get, you get some rural markets where it's like uh oh, billboards still work. Um, little ads on the, uh, the diner table still work. Right. Doing, Isn't that amazing? Like, yeah. I'm like, uh, you know, and that still works there, but you come to a market like Miami or, Dallas or somewhere that's large and it's like you just kind of flood the place everywhere. You got to be doing search ads, Facebook ads, LSAs, you got to be doing TV commercials, radio spots and it's just about figuring out what works and actually being able to track it. It is. It's funny you say that because I do, you know, so I cover a pretty large geography and my northern market there, that Sarasota market or, or even more that Port St. Lucie market those little diner ads are going to have a lot more effect in the, in the market than if you come to Fort Lauderdale or Miami, right? That that's, yeah. that's not going to help you there. Yeah. Well, and, and I feel like in those, those smaller markets, it really is about like the top of mind, like just knowing who to call versus having to look, which is what will happen Absolutely. in a huge market. You got to look for it because there's so many companies out there and there's so many houses and you just got to go look for the company versus when you're in a, a town with 10,000 people, 10 to 15,000 people. You're just like, Oh yeah, I called Jim. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> exactly. Right. Everybody knows the local AC guy, but that's right. You know, in my market, like I go to my mailbox, I'll probably have three different AC advertisements in the mailbox daily. Right. So it's a lot harder to stay top of mind in in like a Fort Lauderdale market than it is in like a St. Lucie market. Yeah. All right. Well, there's a, uh, there's a new segment that we're wanting to try out on the show. We haven't done any fancy branding or anything for it yet. Cause we're, we're just testing out the waters for it, but we're wanting to do a, uh, a short trivia section. Oh boy. Very, very uh, simple HVAC trivia. Are you up for the challenge? Yeah, I am. I, I am. I'm like a trivia pro. I don't know about AC trivia. So <laughs> now I'm going to get tested. We'll, we'll, we'll start this off with one that might be, might be a little easier. Um, okay. okay right. In 1902, this person was credited for inventing the first electric air conditioning unit. I'm going to guess that's Willis Carrier. Yep. This is the part where we would have something that goes ding, 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 or something (laughs) cool. (laughs) (laughs) So I was actually reading up on that question, and I found out that Willis Carrier graduated from – some university, Cornell, Cornell University mm. in 1901. So this dude graduated college, and then when he was 26 years old, invented the freaking air conditioning. A year later, he's inventing yeah. the air conditioning. Like, what were you? What, what were you doing when you were 26? Huh? Like, right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't doing that. <laughs> not not becoming like the top 10 most influential people ever. You know, no. that's crazy. All right, here. Let's see if we can find one that's a little bit, a little bit more challenging. <laughs> Let's see. Got a whole a whole list here. All right. Air conditioning was added to the White House bedrooms by which US president? Oh wow. 
give you a hint. It was during the 1930s. God, I'm terrible at history. Because I, I think the guy I was going to pick was in the 50s. And I'm trying to think of who was in the 30s now. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I know I'm going to get it wrong. I, I was, I guess, Truman, but that's that's too late. I need to go earlier. I don't know who's in the 30s. It was FDR. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> one for All two. Right. One bad right. that's not bad. All right. Yeah, that's not bad. We'll we'll do one more. We'll see <laughs> if we can get the uh, the two for three. Let's see. Do, 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 do. All right. This building was one of the first to have air conditioning installed. This was in 1903. Can you give me like a hint of a city or something? Yeah, it was it was in New York City. Okay. Mm. I'm gonna say Empire State Building, but I don't even know if it was built in 1903 yet. <laughs> no, it, was it definitely wasn't. Was it Radio New City York. or something? The New York Stock Exchange. Oh, well, I yeah. should know that. I come from a finance background. <laughs> yeah, so the more you know. Cool. Well, that is the, uh, I'll take the conclusion of our uh, – what you say? I said I'll take one for three. Hey, one for three. That's still a, uh, a 333 batting average if we're – All of Famer if we're baseball. baseball. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's good in baseball. It's also good uh, as a weatherman. <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> especially in florida yeah awesome well all right so let's get back on track here i feel like that might be a segment we do at the end of the show but or maybe in the middle let's just keep testing it out and see what happens um yeah, yeah that's right like we were just saying you gotta keep testing things yeah. um so if if there were a small uh to medium-sized contractor out there one to five man shop and he or she was interested in you know becoming a dealer for York or in general, just being a dealer for a certain manufacturer, what's some advice that you would give them? Uh, the first thing that I see when, and on that small to medium size, what they need to kind of harness in, right. Cause they're not going to have $10,000 a month through marketing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have small packages with some of our marketing groups where, you know, it's a thousand dollars a month, it's a little more reasonable, but are they really going to be able to get, you know, Google search results over these guys that are throwing in, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a month in the Miami for auto market? Probably not. Right. So the number one most important thing, and I'm sure you've probably heard this a hundred times for us right now, we're in a digital age. They have to have a good, clean digital footprint and the number one spot is your google rating i mean it is what it is but everybody has a phone everybody looks and says air conditioning whatever city and if you're not you know in my market 4.7 stars or above and have a you know a a legitimate amount of reviews i mean we don't need thousands but you have 20 plus reviews you'll at least start to show up on some of those relevant searches where they're looking at the ratings um also, they got to target their their immediate surrounding area. Um, I meet with one where you know, I'm telling them put a, a banner at the school. You got to be the local AC guy first before you're the the ten million a year AC guy, right? It's just not going to yeah. happen in a year or two. So you got to start small. You got to think small, but you you, you definitely got to have your your digital footprint as as clear and and as positive as possible. Yeah. What are some ways that? Um they you think they could build up some of those reviews 
in order to stand out a little bit more? I mean, I've seen really the best results I've seen is them doing it themselves organically, meaning them incentivizing their own service techs, their own dispatchers. And maybe if it's a small company, maybe it's only, you know, an inside office girl and two techs, right? But they could still make a difference. Um, if it's, you know, a really tight-knit family-owned organization, maybe it's a little different. But when you hire an outside tech, um, you really have to really ingrain on them how important digital and yeah. Google reviews are. So in, pay them five bucks for every five-star review. You'll, I mean, as far as, like, you know, what you would pay for marketing, that's pennies, right? And yeah. a five-star review, I mean, it's, it's not a tangible figure but it's it's literally priceless just like a one-star review there's really no way to tell you how damaging it is but i could tell you it 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 is severely damaging to any company and that's not even just ac that's any service oh yeah well and then they say that the average consumer reads anywhere from five to seven reviews you know before making a decision on even in some cases, going to the website to even contact. Exactly. So, I mean, if you have those Google reviews up, it can really just help give that customer a little more confidence in you, for sure. It, it does give you legitimacy when you see a company. Mm-hmm. So I've seen really large companies, and they'll have, let's say, 4.6 stars, and they'll have 130 reviews. Okay, pretty good, right? And then I'll see small companies that you know literally are probably one tenth the size of that company, but that really focus on Google reviews, and they'll have four point seven stars, and they'll have sixty reviews, right? So half the amount of reviews, but they have a higher rating. And the regular homeowner that doesn't know one contractor from the other, they're going to look at that and they're going to say I'm comparable. And yeah. hey, he's got a little bit higher review, right? Little do they know yeah. that he's one tenth of the size but at that point they they don't really care they just want someone that that they can trust and that's really what they're looking at and kind of basing their their idea off of yeah absolutely that's great advice Uh, i know you'd hit on it earlier uh this is something that we were even talking about today in the office with uh with a contractor who would come in and that is equipment right now the inventory um what's like all these grays (laughs) What what's going on on your side of it that you know, uh, as far as like behind the scenes with the equipment shores? What are some things that you're seeing? It's a little bit of everything. It's kind of a, a ebb and flow of everything from labor uh, right now and materials, and then just the material increase um, with inflation and just the, the cost of them is just booming and then to acquire those materials has has increased so dramatically and then in some respects um the labor to to build it right and you know our factories are in uh kansas and in oklahoma and um it's it's hard to find help these days i could tell you so i work out of our uh our hub which is near fort lauderdale it's in broward county and We've had an open driver position, just a delivery driver, doesn't need a special CDL license or anything like that. We've had that open position for five months. We've had three people apply in five months for an open wow. driver position to come work for Johnson Controls. It's crazy. Um, yeah. It, it, it's no different in Oklahoma and Kansas and probably anywhere else in the United States. Uh, labor is at a premium right now. Um, yeah. So, you know, when they're trying to run three shifts 24 hours a day, well, that all sounds great. But you need the people that are going to be there building it. Yeah. 
So how much longer do you uh, just guessing or, or your anticipation uh, for how much longer this will last? You know, that's a million dollar question, right? I, I've heard some some positive things recently, um, especially out of our Oklahoma factory where um, they're now, the governor is now giving incentives to go back to work. They're paying you almost a signing bonus from, what? The, from the state. Yeah. And uh, they're basically paying people to get back to work. Um, Man. Hopefully, you know, on the labor side, uh, not too much longer. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm pretty positive that, you know, we could probably get back to a pretty good efficiency over the next couple months. But just with us specifically, um, our demand has grown so much over the last two years that um, capacity is even on a premium when when they do have a full labor force. So they're they're currently looking at ways to to increase capacity, and hopefully by the end of you know our fiscal year ends in September. So I'm hoping in the next like month or two we'll get a, a better timeline, and then hopefully really by the end of the fiscal year we're kind of hopefully get back to normal. But you know, yeah. one never knows. I feel like they should give a uh, a bonus to those of us who work the entire time. <laughs> exactly, right? you know, someone that that uh, you know we we never closed our doors here. Yeah, um, our, our warehouse has been open uh, nonstop over this past you know crazy eighteen months or however long yeah. it's been. Um, yeah, we're just looking for good help. Yeah, it's nuts. Well, Eric, I, I really do appreciate you joining me here on the show. Uh, thanks for being the the first ever person to try out our trivia. Maybe one day no you'll uh, maybe one day we'll bring you back on the show and we'll give you the harder questions. <laughs> I was gonna say for right now, I'm in first place, best score that's, all that, time. That's right. We'll have to get a, like a leaderboard or something going. Exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, Eric, is there is there anything else that you wanted to mention or, or talk about before we wrap up? No. Um, you know, thanks for bringing me on. It was it was a good conversation. I think it's a uh, a good piece of content that you know really contractors um, should know, listen to, and, and value. So no, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Is there any way that um, anyone who might be listening to this could reach out to you or get in touch with you if they had more questions about you or just wanted to connect? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you my email address. Um, and then you can find me on LinkedIn um, as well. Just uh, hopefully you can see my name, but it's Eric, E-R-I-C, Bondi, B-O-N-D-E. And uh, my email address is Eric, E-R-I-C, dot Paul, P-A-U-L, dot Bondi at jci.com they wanted to give me the longest email address so it's very easy to contact me awesome <laughs> awesome well eric i appreciate you taking some time out of your afternoon to be on the show and uh, we look forward to talking to you soon same here take care all right you too bye